And welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 52, The Hunt for Nerd October. I'm Brendan. I'm Spindles. And we appreciate it's been a while since you were last on, and we're sorry about that. And the last episode was particularly heavy. Um, an <laughs> it hour took and a while half, to recover. <laughs> yeah, an hour and a half of a new media discussion. But we promised you brevity and jollity in the next one, so here we are with a roundup of EGX. Um... Also, our recap of the New latest seasons. round of pilot season. Yeah, mm. some good shows in there. And in our ongoing <laughs> Mars saga, you know... <laughs> lunatics on Mars! Lunatics on Mars. They found water there. So, you know, we'll see see what we think about that later on. <laughs> but should we start with EGX? Because I was looking at your photos and you had a wonderful time there. I, I did, yeah. EGX was excellent. Um... So, yeah, for, for those of you who don't know what EGX is, where, where have you been? It's now probably the UK's biggest gaming show. Um, it's kind of put itself on the map now along the kind of lines of E3 and so forth for big announcements and games releases and stuff. So I went along there uh, last weekend to the NEC in Birmingham. Uh, wandered in and, yeah, it's just games everywhere. It was fantastic. Uh, first thing I found was the, the Xbox uh, stage that was there, uh, because the first thing that caught my eye was Lego Dimensions, yeah. uh, which I've been dying to get my hands on, and just yeah. so happened to be the first thing I did when I got there. We have been at risk at losing you to that game for months it, It's going to happen. Yeah. Having, having played it now, it, it's going to happen. I will be lost. I can't believe the franchises they've got for that thing now. It, they've, they've got Back to the Future, Portal, Ghostbusters, Lord of the Rings, Doctor, Doctor Who. Who, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's all fully interchangeable. Because whereas, you know, I got massively excited about the whole Disney Infinity thing and Marvel superheroes and Guardians and stuff. And while it's great, you can only really kind of mix and match characters in the sandbox mode. But Lego Dimensions, you have to bring in the other characters into whatever the level is you're playing in order to do stuff. That's cool. So I kind of I play tested one of the Doctor Who levels, and uh, you, you start out as as Capaldi's Doctor Who, um, but you can change to any of the others. And the bonus of changing to any of the others is you get their TARDIS as well. So you have your TARDIS along with you, and you can go in and whichever Doctor you are, you will get their TARDIS. So I spent ages just changing Doctors and going, oh, look, the round things like the round things. <laughs> More of the round More things. More of the round things. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so playing the levels, you have to bring in Batman to use his stealth mode and sneak around and do stuff in the Doctor Who level. You have to bring in Gandalf to to use his magic on stuff. Um, uh, you have to bring in Wildstyle because she can do the double jump to get to certain areas of it. So you have to bring in characters from all the other genres in order to complete the missions. That's cool. Which is brilliant. Yeah. And also what I really like about it is, again, unlike... Disney Infinity, where you just put your characters on the pad and then forget about them. The pad actually forms part of the game. So at certain points in the game, you find these things. I think they're called uh, heartstones, or yeah, heartstones. I think they're called, and they're like they give you elemental powers. And so depending then where you put your character on the pad, you activate either water, fire, or electricity powers for that character, and that allows you to do specific things in the game. 
because you have to like thaw ice to get to a certain thing or you've got to put out fires to get past it to another thing uh and the the batman stealth mode that i was talking about uh you have to keep moving batman around the pad and it will tell you which quadrant of the pad to put him in otherwise you lose the stealth mode and die so it actually becomes part of much more part of the game and you use it to help you solve puzzles awesome which is really really yeah. cool but yeah it, it's absolutely fantastic but I've, I've seen the adverts on tv now and it's 80 quid for the starter pack and then you buy characters on top of that and it, I, i'm just gonna be selling organs to fund this <laughs> who's gonna play it more do you reckon you or megan do you know what i think it's probably gonna be a, a tough one to call because i think we both will play it a lot Probably more so than we've played Lego Batman, even because right. I know we've played that quite a bit, and I think she ended up getting slightly further than me. But I think this, because of the wealth of properties that it's got associated with it, and the good thing about it is as well that they've got a kind of two-year release plan. So whereas I kind of felt a little bit cheated with uh, the Disney Infinity because they released version two for Christmas last year, and then by September this year they'd moved on to Disney Infinity three, yeah, and it's not compatible. Yeah, it's a bit shitty. So I kind of felt a bit cheated by that, whereas they're saying, you know, they're not going to alter the the base technology for at least two years and they're going to keep releasing stuff. So I think that's great. But anyway, that was one game. Yeah, yeah, I spent basically the whole of of Friday and much of Saturday playing games. Highlights for me, uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate is awesome. Victorian London, closest thing you will get to steampunk Assassin's Creed. It's brilliant. Very similar in play to uh, Shadows of Mordor. Yeah. So, like when you when you're kind of sneaking around, if you get spotted, and if you go back into hiding again, it leaves the silhouette of you there of where they last saw you. So you have to move away and stuff. So looks like a very similar engine to Shadow of Mordor. But yeah, really, really cool. The level that I played on that was fantastic. It was all based around the Tower of London, so you have to kind of... There are various ways you can get in of stealing keys, dressing up as other people, using disguises and stuff, and sneaking in. Yeah, fantastic game. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, What else did I really enjoy? So I think those were the big two on my first day. Uh, An interesting one, which I hadn't even heard of, uh, is a Deep Silver one, who are the guys who do Dead Island... That's the zombie game. The zombie yeah. one, yeah, yeah. The, this one's called Homefront Revolution, and it's uh, a first-person shooter, futuristic. Uh, the concept is that the Koreans have invaded the United States, and so you you are a band of guerrilla fighters trying to fight back against the Korean occupation. Wow. Uh, and it's... The reason why I liked it is it's the the customization of not just your weapons and stuff. So when you start out, you can basically look at your weapon and add scopes to it. You can add handles on the front and you can customize all your weaponry to whatever you've got. Uh, and then you can choose whether or not you get embroiled in the side quests as you're going along or whether you just do the main parts of the quest. There's God knows how many different ways of resolving encounters and getting on to the next one. So I really, I liked the gameplay on that. I particularly enjoyed the explosive remote-controlled cars, 
So in order to get past a blockade, you have to basically fire up your remote control car, drive it underneath trucks and stuff so it doesn't get spotted, then drive it up underneath and detonate it underneath the, the target truck. That was great fun. So that was an interesting game that I'd, I'd never heard of, Home Homefront Revolution. Right. Um, Homefront's ringing a bell with me, to be honest. Really? I, 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 I had not come across the franchise before, so... Did you get anywhere near Fallout 4? No, no, there was there was nothing about Fallout 4 there. Really? I not, saw, not, not that I saw. Oh, I saw photos of the Bethesda stand with the Fallout pit really? boy. No, I didn't yeah. see that. Okay. There were a few things I couldn't find. I don't know whether it was just I couldn't find them because there was supposed to be the um, Uncharted saga was supposed to be there, which is the new PS4 release of the, the first games. Uh, and I couldn't find that anywhere because I wanted to have a play on that. Um, and there was a bunch of other stuff I couldn't just couldn't find and sadly two of the main games i wanted to play i didn't manage to get my hands on which was battlefront oh yeah, yeah. and mirror's edge catalyst the queues were just insane for those every time i went there yeah well battlefront's gonna have like massive queues yeah uh, and i think for, r- I rather than a lot of them which was just uh you queue up you play the game and that's it battlefront it looked like you queued up you all sat down and had a presentation with headphones on and watched a thing and got a talk and then went round and played the game so I think it was a much longer experience than a lot of the other games. That was their, I think that was their one of their key uh, expositions, key presentations right. of the weekend because they had like a life-size Tie Fighter. Yeah, I saw the photos of that. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was awesome. Sweet. So I did get to see some of the game footage though because there was uh, another stand that was selling headphones I think and they had some trailers and, and some gameplay footage from Battlefront so I stood and watched that for a bit and wished and hoped <laughs> Was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater there? Um, because I, that game at the moment is being universally panned I being didn't see it, that's, that's Pro Skater 5 yeah, yeah, for the PS4, no I didn't, didn't see that So, just released with a first day patch of 7 point something gigabytes on a base game that was only four gigabytes to start off with. Ouch. There are videos online of all the glitches. The fact the gravity just doesn't seem to work. People doing tricks while standing still and then falling off for no reason whatsoever. Ooh. It looks very much like um, Activision were trying to push out another title before the license expired. Right. Because that runs out this year, I think. Right. Okay. So, yeah. But saw some news about that today. That's just a bit shocking. Mm. And a bit of a shame, because when Cause I saw... I, I, I love the original yeah. ones on the PlayStation and PS2. Oh, when I saw the E3 press conference, um, and they were talking about Tony Hawk's then, I was like, awesome. Fallout 4 and a new Tony Hawk's skater, I might buy a next-gen console now. Mm. And then, like, Tony Hawk's is shit. Mm. Like, oh, fuck it. But I've got Tony Hawk's HD on the PS3, so right. cool. that works fine. Yeah, I don't think anything I'll ever beat. I think for me it was Pro Skater 3 on the PS2, the one where that had like Papa Roach and everything on the soundtrack. The soundtracks were universally excellent. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the Ernie's Here and Now off the first game and Superman by Goldfinger. Mm. Classic jeans. Yeah, so I, th- those were a lot of the big ones. Um, I didn't manage to get anywhere near PlayStation VR. That was invite only. Uh-huh. Uh, so people knew whether they were going to that before the event even started and they were booked up. Uh, didn't manage to get on the VR for Elite Dangerous, but I did play Elite Dangerous 
well, I, I own it anyway, but it was playing the new upcoming expansion for it, which was excellent. Which, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of hype about it's that. The multiplayer moment. stuff, but I actually managed to play it using the uh, the Hotas setup, so the hands-on throttle and stick. So I had the proper flight controls, which was awesome. But uh, I wasn't used to it, so I got my ass utterly handed to me in a multiplayer. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, the HTC Vive, I tried to get on both days, but again, that was booked up within minutes of it opening in the morning. Uh, but I did manage to get on a HTC Vive because there was a independent game there called Crystal Rift, uh, which had four HTC Vives hooked up to it. And it's essentially... Uh, an inverted version of Nightmare. <clears throat> so with Nightmare, you put on the helmet, the person in the helmet can't see any of the computer-generated stuff and they're guided around. Well, this, you're the only one who can see it. And it's essentially a, an escape-the-dungeon type thing with traps and pressure pads and searching for keys. And it, it looks like Nightmare. And you have to move around and dodge things and fight beasties. And yeah, cool. it, that was very, very cool. That was a... Yeah, so got to play that. That was proper. My my first VR experience since I went on a VR uh, biplane simulator in Glastonbury in 93. <laughs> <laughs> and the technology's come on a little, shall we say. <laughs> yes. There was a whole bunch of indie games there as well. The selection of indie games was, was stunning. And all the retro games, there were all manner of consoles there. There were people sat playing Pong on original Ataris. Cool. It was genius. But yeah, a bunch of the indie games that I got to play on. Uh, it was a company called Merge Games, who I went and uh, had a chat with, and they kind of talked me through their catalogue and played one of their new ones, which is uh, called Riot. Uh, which is, it, it's it, it's a riot simulation where you get to either play the protesters or the police. <laughs> <laughs> the AI on it is brilliant. Uh, it's just, yeah, because you could just wind the crowd up or you can try and move them back and they start chucking firebombs at you and stuff. It, it was, yeah, it's quite good fun to have a play on that and some of their other games. And I've got a few keys of, uh, to uh, for their other games to have a play on and do a review, so I'll, I'll do some write-ups of their games. But that was pretty cool. Um, and there was a really interesting one called Iron Fish, which is uh, a game using it's using the Unreal Four engine, and it's a deep sea psychological horror. Uh, where you, you please tell me Cthulhu's in there somewhere. I I, I don't know. I didn't get that far in right. the game. But the visuals on it are stunning. So you, you start out in a submersible going around and trying to find some wreckage. And then you come out of your submersible and you're in a diving suit and you go around and there are sharks. Sharks! <laughs> and it really is an immersive environment. And given that last year I did scuba diving for the first time, it terrified me. Right. <laughs> so that's a really cool game. I think they're just working towards alpha at the moment. So hopefully I'll... Uh, I'm going to keep in touch with the guys who are developing that and try and get a hold of that when it when it comes out properly. But that was that was a really good looking game. The the graph the visuals on it was stunning. Just the undersea stuff was brilliant. Massively unnerving that the suit you're in has a cracked visor. That was the thing that <laughs> nerved me the most. It's just like, okay, I just wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I'd be back in the diving bell and back up to the surface. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think what other games? Uh, Warhammer End Times Vermintide. Played that. That was kind of cool. It's a four-player co-op hack and slash. 
Sweet. In the Warhammer universe. Do we have a key for that? A giveaway? Uh, we we may do. We, we don't have any giveaways at the moment, okay. but uh, we, we might be able to get hold of some, some competition and stuff on that. But we... Uh, we got keys for the private beta of that for this week, so uh, the guys who do the Wonky Gamer cast have had a play of that, and they've released a, a preview of that today. That's out awesome. on YouTube. I've done a Let's Play on that one. Um, trying to think, any, any others that I really enjoyed? I think that's, that's the main ones, I think. But yeah, it was just it was a phenomenal weekend. Just there's a, there's a lot of queuing if you want the big games. Because yeah. I get the point when I went on the Saturday to have a look at um, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, the point where the queue was, it was saying three hours from here. I was like, yeah, yeah. no, fuck that. <laughs> Not going to spend all my weekend queuing for no. that. You get to enough conventions for queuing. Yeah, indeed. So, cool. yeah, it was an excellent event. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And, yeah, looking forward to going back and doing it again. Awesome. So... Yeah, moving on from there then. Mm. Season premieres. I mean, that's going to be the big discussion. There's so much to catch it's up like on. It's like Christmas this time. It, it, it's, it's Christmas better than Christmas. <laughs> it's so awesome. There is so much stuff this year. I just, I, I started looking at the schedules. And I was like, holy shit. Well, I put up a brief schedule of the shows that I was interested in seeing. Yeah. Uh, I put that up on Novus's World. And then I found other shows mm. that I want to see as well. Yeah. Um, and I've started doing bite-sized reviews. I yes. think a lot of the contributors to the site are picking up a, a particular show. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing my, my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. review will be up probably around the same time as this podcast as well, to be honest. Yep. Um, but yeah, so where should we start? I mean... Well, should we start with new shows? Yeah, okay. So, Blind Spot. Blind Spot. Blinding. Yeah. Utterly fantastic show. I think very much a kind of spiritual brother or sister show to the blacklist yeah. on NBC. I think I think the pairing of those two makes NBC top notch for drama like that at the moment. It feels very similar in in how they've done it, and to the point where I would love to see a crossover of both shows. I think that would be genius. And it's nice to see Jamie Alexander back on the small screen. As Indeed, well. and she is absolutely phenomenal in this show. The, the performance she put in in that first episode was stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. And it's maintained through episode two and stuff now as she's starting to kind of get a bit more uh, uh, occasional memories and stuff and yeah. trying to question who she is and how she fits into everything. So a brief synopsis then, uh, for those who aren't aware of the show. Essentially, a duffel bag is left in the middle of Times Square with a note for the FBI on it. Inside the bag is Jamie Alexander's character, Jane Doe, for the time being, um, who is completely naked apart from being covered head to toe in tattoos. Mm-hmm. One of the tattoos is the name of an FBI agent who has no recollection of ever having met her before in yep. his life. And then, very much in the prison break, sort of each tattoo is a piece of a puzzle sort of way, they point in the direction of crimes and things to be solved. Mm-hmm. And the first one saw a Chinese terrorist wanted to blow up such a liberty. Yep. Which I found interesting for the fact that uh, TV shows now are starting to position China as an American enemy. Mm. So I'll be talking about cultural influence with my students in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> and when I do, um, these are the sort of things that I'll be telling them to be aware of when they're mm. viewing and listening to things. 
And the second episode was uh, about UAVs in the mm. US. Yep. But it is pretty compelling. Uh, there's a noticeable difference in character between the first and second episode uh, for me, well as character, who's the, the, the head FBI. dude at the FBI, the male, the, the male lead. From my point of view, it looks like the network have said yes to the pilot and then said, but soften up this character. Hmm. So in the second episode, he's given more background, he's given a family. See, I thought he was actually quite uh, quite caring character in the first one anyway, because I think in my review of the, of the pilot, I felt that he very much looked genuinely concerned for Jane's character throughout the entire thing. And I think he didn't come across as a kind of hard-ass character. He came across as a very caring character. Mm, I think I missed that when I was watching it. I didn't get that impression. That, that, that's what I got. I, I, I felt that he was genuinely concerned mm. for her a lot of the time. So, I'm, I, I don't know. Well, I guess it's just a, a point of view. Yeah, I, and but. I guess we'll see how it progresses. But I'm, I'm very interested to see it. And I think, again, as I said in the review, I think my only concern is that it doesn't fall into the prison break trap of once the tattoos are irrelevant, then the, the show kind of peters out a yeah. bit. Which is kind of what I felt happened with prison break quite a bit, is once they got out and even the season after when the tattoos still had relevance... That was fine, but then as soon as the relevance of the tattoos went away, then it felt like a big part of the show had gone. Well, see, yeah, Prison Break just fell apart generally from about season three onwards, yeah. I think. But I think there's there's a danger, danger with this show as well, because they're hanging the show's identity off the tattoos. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. But at a time where we've been talking about binge-watching on Netflix and how Netflix dramas don't always go all out with their pilot to try and grab you. They know mm. they've got like they've well they've got a, a binge watching dynamic. Mm. They can wait a few episodes. And there's been a report recently that Netflix say four episodes is what it what it takes to grab you. It depends, it's different shows because I read that I read that report and it was interesting to see at what point which shows hook people. I was like Breaking Bad I think was like episode two when everyone was hooked. And, I need longer for And some of them, Daredevil, it was episode five, whereas for me it was episode two of yeah. Daredevil that hooked me. So it, it, it's weird what they've come up with as, as these statistics. Yeah. But from this pilot season, that did the job of an old-fashioned pilot. Oh, it, God, yeah, that it, was it, it, it's story from the outset. Introduced the characters, it grabbed you, and it held your attention. Mm. Um, and I thought it was great, especially considering the other new shows and how I've been rather indifferent towards those. I mean... Briefly, we spoke beforehand about Minority Report, mm-hmm. so we'll just get into that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I didn't like it. I, I thought it was tepid, and I thought it was boring, and I thought, even though it had distanced itself within its own chronology from the film, it still clung to ideas from the film, which are no longer fascinating to mm. us. You know, the whole interactivity with the augmented reality... Back in early 2000 when the film was out and that didn't exist, that was huge. Mm. But now we have that, it's it's mundane. And it's disappointing to see a sci-fi show not try and imagine something new. Mm. It's trying to separate itself from the film, but also clinging desperately to the nostalgia of fans of the film. And I don't think it found itself. I didn't find the lead characters to be at all engaging. And I thought the Tinder reference was just like... A complete miscalculation on the sort of 
demographic of the fans. They did exactly the same thing in episode two. Really? Yeah. And they're, they're, they've taken it even a step further that everybody has these wristbands that they touch and it tells them whether they're compatible and stuff or not. And they go, oh, oh can you believe in the old days it used to be like this? You'd swipe to say whether it, the, the the references to, to contemporary ideas as outdated in the show is irritating as fuck. Yeah, and it also goes against the entire sort of ethos of Philip K. Dick's work in this regard. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just... I couldn't get on with it. I haven't watched the second episode. I mean, there is so much stuff to watch. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I, there is. We kind of have to be a lot pickier with what we watch now. And it's just one of those shows that if I'm bored, I'll put on. Yeah. I thought it was all right. It's it, it's almost human all over again. Yeah. Um, and sadly, I think it's on Fox. It may end up in exactly the same state as, uh, as uh, Almost Human did. Because I have absolutely no faith that Fox will treat it with any kind of respect and they'll screw over the episode order and they'll lose their audience and they'll can it. Yeah. That's, yeah. But that's just my thing. I, I think for me, it's it's mental bubblegum sci-fi. It's just something to chew on while I'm doing something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see where it goes, but they've, they're kind of finishing each episode with a... With the kind of, oh, and we won't tell him what his part in all this is for now from the other two of the, the precogs. Yeah. And I think they've closed both episodes out with that. And I'm just kind of like, that's just dull. <laughs> yeah, and I can't see the dynamic of the story arcs themselves working much better than they, they were in that pilot. Mm. You know, he doesn't get the full information because he's separated from his twin, mm. but he still manages to get just enough. Mm. And it's, ah, it's, oh, no, I, I find it to be weak and disengaged storytelling and yeah it, it lost me okay straight off i think how about limitless I, i've not seen limitless yet so have you seen the film yeah yeah i've seen yeah. the film yeah yeah and the film was actually the film was entirely different to what i was expecting mm. and i really enjoyed the film i enjoyed the film yeah. it was better than lucy yes um the tv show's actually pretty decent okay and bradley cooper's in it oh is he really yes all right cool he is running for office. And, yeah, so we basically, we've. it's much like the film mm-hmm. in sort of a down and out who is wasting his potential, is given this... Uh, the drug. The drug. And then people who he knows are connected to it suddenly start dying. Right. And he's suspected of being involved and hunted by the FBI. And then Bradley Cooper's character turns up and just says, you've got one pill mm-hmm. to, to, clear your, to clear your name. So he does. Uh, the only real difference between the characters of the film to the TV show is that he's a struggling musician rather than a struggling author. Right, okay. So like that, it's kind of on the money. Okay. But it seems pretty interesting. Um, it was definitely a more fun watch than a lot of the premieres I've seen this, this season. And I'd stick with it a little longer. I mean, I think it's probably going to suffer from diminishing returns mm-hmm. at a certain point. And it's another one of these FBI and special yeah, special character dynamics that we've seen being done a lot. Yeah. Seeing done really well with The Blacklist, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and Castle and Scorpion. And then, like, other shows, like Minority Report, not quite hitting it. Mm. 
Well, yeah, it's worth a watch. Okay. If you like the film, you probably like the TV yeah. show. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I have it to watch, but I'll just I will get round to it. As you say, there is so much. There's so much. Uh, well, we mentioned a couple there. Castle. Oh, well, before we get on to returning shows, okay. so other new ones, The Muppets. It's like 30 Rock um, met The Office, mm. like mockumentary behind the scenes of a talk show, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's really quite cool. It's depressing as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it reminds me of a really old show with Seth Green called Greg the Bunny. Not seen that. In terms of its humour and its, yeah, the way it takes the gloss off things. Mm. But just to see Elizabeth Banks beating up Scooter, <laughs> that, that is a show that I could watch again <laughs> just for that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's going to be good. And um, yeah, if they get like quality guest stars in, because that was the thing about The Muppet Show back mm. in the 80s, it was special guest stars that they treated like shit. Yes. You know, like, Completely irreverently. I can remember Nelson John getting eaten whilst playing Crocodile Rock. It's one of my standout memories from childhood. And and I will always love The Muppet Show for that. And I'll always love that song for that moment. So, yeah, I was I was interested in, in a good comedy this time out because The Big Bang Theory let me down. And I watched Muppet Theory, Muppet Show, and it was it was very, very good. I think we watched them the other way around. I think we watched Big Bang Theory and then watched The Muppets. Uh, and I think they're both tackling very similar ideas, <laughs> but The Muppets did it with humour. The Big Bang Theory, not so much. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just gotten nasty now. Yeah, it was just mean. But I guess we'll get to that in a second. Um, we got any other new shows? I can't think. I know that there are other new shows that I haven't watched yet. Uh, I've not watched Heroes Reborn. I have. Heroes Reborn. Um, I know it's technically not a new show, but it is. Yeah. It was, it's okay. I mean, I watched it and I enjoyed it, but when you start to think back on it, when you start writing a review, for example, or you're, you're looking to sort of critique something, you have to be something more objective mm -hmm. in, in what you're doing. And... I was always a fan of the original series, even mm -hmm. the bad seasons. I'd mm. still watch them. Oh, I still watch, I watched the whole lot. Uh, and I was glad to see it back. But very little happened. And there's a degree of expectation on the part of the writers that you are up to date with what happened in the original series. Right. Because, like, anyone tuning in for the first time to, and seeing Noah Bennett's character is like, well, who is he? What's his background? And why does he care so much that his daughter's dead? Mm. I mean, but beyond the obvious grieving father reasons. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, nothing seems to make sense. And there's one, there's one character whose special ability is being able to go inside a game. And the game she goes inside uh, is basically topographically based on the city she lives in. Mm -hmm. So as she moves around the game, she can transport around the city. Right, okay. And it's a really weird secondary story. It's how it felt to me. It didn't feel connected to the main plot at all. Mm -hmm. um, but it is going on lines that we will see a lot over the coming year, both in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Civil War. And anyone familiar with any X-Men stories whatsoever, it's all about Evo registration and yeah. now squads taking out Evos. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting takes. There's a hero who 
is not a hero. I mean, like there's there's a, a hero vigilante hooded character who dies, and his non-hero brother takes up the mantle, but right. does it well. So he's he's not a super, not an Evo, but he's still a hero. So I guess there's there's from that idea a little more maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and there's some crossover from the original series. I mean Molly Walker makes an appearance. The mm-hmm. the Evo who could find any special yeah. anywhere. And there's other things at play. Nothing's really been sort of explicitly put out there yet. There's obviously something coming which, you know, they can't stop. And the problem with that is that, that was the premise for pretty much every single I was going to say, era. have they gone back you to know? that again of the, yeah. there is something we need to stop it from happening? Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. Which, yeah, it, it does feel like a retread in certain places. The characters are likeable enough. Hmm. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Fair play. Uh, and then I know there's another couple of new ones that, I, again, I haven't got around to watching yet, which is the uh, You, Me and the Apocalypse, which yeah, I've been looking forward to immensely. Yeah, I, I watch that, watched that tonight that when I get home. So by the time this goes out, I will have seen it and likely posted some kind of reaction yeah, yeah. to it. Okay, so returning shows uh, then. Yeah, returning shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the big one is Doctor Who. Let's jump in with that. Oh, Doctor Who. Because... How fucking awesome was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has been far too long since I've been able to go online and be so happy mm. with a piece of Stephen Moffat writing. I mean, the 50th was good, but I mean, I'm talking like just normal episodes. Capaldi was on fine form, but it was Missy. Yeah. Missy has made oh, oh, yeah. this show. Yeah. Uh, she she has now she she has overtaken Strax in my favourite character. She's utterly genius this yeah. season. Just the mix of genius, insanity, malevolence. Yeah, it's that turn on a carefree six- brilliance. Yeah, it's just the way she can turn on a on a sixpence with with being friendly to menacing, um, and the way she played Clara in the second half of this two parter was was great. But well just her interaction with Clara in general was pretty good. And that's made the Clara character much more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was interesting to see how Clara reacted being a sidekick to a very, very different Time Lord. Yeah. And that was a really, really good dynamic. The whole pointy stick thing had me in bits. And I just want to say that we called it, that it was Scaro in yeah. the trailer. Yes, I've got to say, yeah. Because well, SFX well magazine, played. they called it as Gallifrey in their trailer breakdown all those months ago. We're like, no, it's obviously Scaro. Yep. And it was a big gambit to make that your opening episode and your opening reveal. Mm. But it made the Daleks scary again. It did, yeah. yeah. And, was... and I just loved putting all the different eras of Daleks together in one place. Yeah. Brilliant. And Utterly the, brilliant. The Davros interaction was exceptional. I mean, there has never been a bad scene between Davros and the Doctor. No, and that was stunning. The the, the interplay between the two characters in that was absolutely yeah. brilliant. I think if I have any fault with that episode at all, and it's the second part, it is the whole jeeping and being double jeeped at the end. With Capaldi being like, yeah, but I knew what you were doing all along, I was thinking for this reason. It should have been like, no, just let Davros have this moment. Because mm. that just makes the Daleks even scarier. Yeah. If you go, okay, the Doctor had to be saved. And, I mean, yeah, 
I'm sure people would have issues with Doctor having to be saved and showing weakness, but actually, this is his all-time nemesis. Yeah. You know, at some point, Davros is going to get the upper hand. Mm. It means, like, the rest of the season, then, is, like, the Doctor living with the uncertainty yeah. in his own abilities because he's been outdone by Davros. Mm. But having him just be like Bill and Ted, I mean, we've said this a lot, at least I have, certainly, about Moffat's approach to timey-wimeyness. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Bill and Ted in there. Yeah. And, like, because he's the Doctor, he just can. It's like, Davros was convincing. Yeah. And when Capaldi took those took hold of the wires and it was um, Colin Lissar and the pain on Capaldi's face, the acting was exceptional. It was just like, shit, mm. he's met his match this one time. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And I, I think it. I even referenced the Bill and Ted thing in my review of it, yeah. that when he, at the end, that's essentially us seeing Bill and Ted go back and leave the keys behind the sign. Yeah. But aside from that, I think the only issue I had with it was the whole Dalek vocabulary. Oh, and uh, recharging by saying exterminate. Yeah, that I found irritating because it's the, the creature saying things. I don't understand why the the armor would stop the creature saying things. Yeah. Uh, it just that that just smacked of something ridiculous. To well, me. that was that was just put in there so that the the mercy reveal would have some kind of you know. Yeah. Countenance, I guess. Uh, but I didn't like that either. I didn't like him going back in time and planting mercy in Davros's head. Hmm. Though that was, again, that was a wibble. So th- there were issues with it, and I think I-, I raised another couple of issues, like the, you know, the whole teleporting out at the moment of being blasted by yeah. the Daleks and stuff. It's just, yeah, really... But again, and, well, I, I think forgive... you could have called that as being how they escaped anyway. Yeah, I can, I can forgive a lot of that because of the interplay that followed, and and a lot. so I, I think I have I've kind of brushed a load of stuff from that episode that I didn't like under the carpet yeah, yeah. because the, the the acting was so good, yeah. and the script was so good. Yeah, it re- it really was, and yeah, but the second episode. Was probably a little more flawed than the first. I'm I'm tempted to go out on a limb and say the first episode was perfect. I, I the, fir- the first half, in my in my eyes, just for the tension and the feel of it, I would say ten out of ten. Again, I had problems with the plot hole of it. Of once the Doctor had gone off with Colony Sarf, that um, the the other guy who was there supposedly to have the axe battle turned out to be a Dalek. So yeah, that was a little weird. If he but... was a Dalek and he'd been with the Doctor all along, then why was Colony Sarver wandering around the universe looking for him when they knew where he was? Yeah, that was a bit bizarre. <laughs> Which was just like, okay. That's kind of even more bizarre if you've seen the, the prequel episode. Yes. Where he f- turns up in that castle yeah. and he's like doing all the things that he talks about in the episode. Yeah, that was a bit bizarre, but again, roasting the glasses and prepared to gloss over that yeah. and give it the full 10 just for just being so good everywhere else. And it was spotting Julian Seeger in the crowd there as well. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have seen him, but yeah, he's, we, we met him at the Sci-Fi Ball in February last year, and he's been in Guardians and a whole bunch of other stuff, and he was he was one of the, the, the people in the background nice. in, the, in that uh, in that medieval scene. Cool. Cool, cool. Right. Uh, next up then, Castle. Castle. Loving it. This show can just... Do very little wrong. Uh, have you seen the second episode? Yeah. 
Yeah, we watched it last night, and yeah, it's absolutely stunning. I, I cannot wait to see where they're going this season. The old familial connect- connection coming back. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty interesting. Um, I think I did a bite-sized review of this, and in the bite-sized review I commented that they had to kind of reboot Castle at this point. Yeah. Because the season seven finale was a perfect finale for the entire show, and was written to be so because they hadn't been renewed at this point. Yeah. Usually they get renewal notice before they before they finish the season. So they can plan cliffhangers, mm-hmm. but not this time. So we needed a bit of a reboot, and they did it in style. They basically switched up the story from the start of season seven. Yeah, when yeah. Castle totally. goes missing. They split it on its head, yeah. Yeah, and just turned it around. And it was excellent. And, yeah. And it's nice to see Molly Quinn's character starting to get a bit more involved, because she was sadly absent from quite yeah. a lot of season seven. But she's been pretty kick-ass yeah. at the start of this. And, yeah, I'm, I'm loving where they're going with her at the yeah. moment. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, because I, I, I'm intrigued as to how they're going to handle the rest of the season. Because I, I kind of thought for a minute maybe they would take Becky out for a while, but they're not. It's all just carrying on. So it's I'm going to be interested to see how that happens. I think that the the conceit is that Castle's decided that in order to win her back, he has to keep solving cases with her, so find, keeps trying to find a way to work on the same cases and solve them with her, because that was the thing that got them together in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this season. It looks like it's going to be excellent. Cool. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you got to play with that? I am indeed. That was what we've been waiting for. Holy shit. Since the first episode of season one. Yeah. Some actual fucking superheroes. Yeah. That's that's how it needs to be going forward. That yeah. was a fucking stunning opening episode. Yeah. So the Terrigen is out there. Uh, because of its dispersal, it's not quite as fatal as it used to be. But there is a problem with Inhumans coming through the mist. And we are introduced to one called Joey in this episode. Has the power to... Sort of liquefied Melt metal. metal. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two groups after him, including our friends at Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, despite being the bad, the good guys, there's a certain level of well, ominousity is not the right word. There's an ominous level about them, I guess. Mm. You know, in that you're not our prisoner, but but we can't let, we can't you, let go. you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the big bad. I was trying to work out who that was, and I'm still not sure yet. No, I have no research. idea. Giant blue spiky. Yeah, giant blue spiky man. Not who quite sure. cut holes in walls. Yeah. So, yeah, he was pretty awesome. Uh, I've got to say, I think my, my standout for that episode was Fitz. Oh, Fitz was great. Damn, I love his character this season. Yeah. And it's such... So it's so nice to see it, it, given the evolution of where he came from. Yeah, not just at the start of season one, but at season two as well. Yeah, like he's a broken man. Start yeah. of season two, mentally and, and emotionally and physically, and then now he is just like completely driven. Mm. And the absence of um, Simmons. Simmons gave him the space to do that, and it was just like so good to see. Yeah, uh, that, that, his performance in that episode yeah. was stunning, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, speak- cannot wait to see where they're going with it this season. But speaking of Simmons... Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Where do we think she is? Some strange blue planet with mm. two moons. Yeah. 
somewhere in the Cree universe, maybe. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah. That's a very nice little crossover as well. Oh, did you get the Ant-Man reference? No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, they when they're talking about the monolith. Right. And they're talking about the, the steps that Fitz has gone to to try and find Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, Coulson's like, even after the instance at Pym Technologies, you figured you'd gone microscopic. Uh, but that okay. can't nothing. Uh, I, I missed that one. I, mean, I caught the back reference to Age of Ultron and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff. Yeah, there's the whole Sokovia yeah. reference again. <laughs> but it's good. I mean, Marvel handling that really well. They're, they're not forcing the interconnection between no, TV no. And, and cinematic universe. It's just happening quite naturally Mm. and I think by the time that the big sort of cinematic universe stories come around these guys will have had so long developing their characters on screen it wouldn't make sense not to have them cross over Mm. and I think we will see Civil War seeded more more, I think so I mean I'd be interested to see if if William Sadler is in Civil War as the president president. yeah 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 because he's the one very much driving it so I'll be interested to see if they carry that character across. Yeah. I suspect they probably will. I, I would hope so, because, I mean, they carried across a lot of the Hydra ones between yeah. the two, so... I mean, the continuity has generally been very good for mm. the Marvel shows. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think this season's just going to pick up where last season left off. I mean, I loved season two. Yeah. Season one, we've said before, up until turn, 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 you can probably leave that show alone. Yeah. But after that, it's just been consistently excellent yeah. uh, and now we get to see Daisy yes. as Quake yeah. and it's cool I mean uh, the hair is short not quite short enough it should be a little more chopped because the uh, and you'll love this because you love the film but the reference point for Quake in the comics was Angelina Jolie's character in Hackers <laughs> that was that yes. was that was who she was styled on. Sweet. So the hair should be that sort of choppy length. Yeah, yeah. But again, um, Chloe Bennett has just grown into that character. Yeah, very much so. She's very, very different this season. Yeah. Very different indeed. And it was interesting to see the the, the interplay between her and, and the the guy who was with the Inhumans. I forget what his name was. That was Lincoln. the Doctor Lincoln. It was interesting to see them again having flipped positions in in how they were dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and but then seeing them fight together yeah. against the big blue, the big bad is the big blue, the big bad blue. Yeah, look, <laughs> cool. yeah, awesome show, awesome, mm. awesome show. Uh, other returners? I think what else? What else have I watched? Have you caught up with Scorpion? No, no, I've still not never seen a single episode of that. Oh really? Yeah, okay. still not not around to watching that at all. Uh, I mean, I'm still trying to finish off on some summer shows as well stuff like the last ship and dominion and things that i've been watching um what let me try and think i mean i know that all the ncis's and stuff are back ncis has been a, a good opener so far i've enjoyed that there was the wonderful pretty in pink reference in the first episode of uh, gibbs having uh, his own ducky, which is the ducky was being John Cryer, yeah. and that was a, a nice, uh, a nice reference to Pretty in Pink there in the first episode. Oh, we'll talk about the Martian later on, but there's a great reference in the Martian. Cool. Um, Big Bang Theory then. Utterly disappointing. Yeah. It's it's completely gone off the boil. It, 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 the second episode wasn't much better. I haven't watched it. I watched the second episode. Because I was just like, well, I've watched the show for eight seasons. Yeah, but the second episode wasn't 
much better at all. The, the only redeeming feature of that first episode was Stuart. He was the only thing that he made me laugh like twice in the entire episode. And that was the only time I laughed. Was I don't Stuart, think I laughed once uh, because they've completely changed his character. He's now become a kind of sleazy pickup artist. Well, he's become what Howard was in the first yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I don't know. It's kind of been going off the boil for a while, yeah. but I suppose once you get to this many seasons in. That's inevitable to a degree, yeah. but I didn't think I'd see a shift to them being quite so just outwardly mean. I mean, I get that he Sheldon's an awkward character. Mm. I I understand that, and I understand that he's playing an already socially awkward character, um, dealing with a brand new situation, and so there's going to be some sort of awkwardness in how that's portrayed. Mm. But they were just slightly mean. Everyone I mean, was just shut, being unpleasant to each shut, other. Shutting the curtains on him and blocking him out. I mean, I, I mean, he wasn't like sunshine and roses. I mean, he was just as mean towards yeah. towards Amy as well. But yeah, I just missed the laughs mm. entirely in that episode. I didn't know where they were coming from or what they were doing. And just that the whole wedding just happened off screen. Yeah, <laughs> it's like two characters who. This has been this the has been, overall It's been leading up to this yeah. from the start. <laughs> and it happened off screen. <laughs> eight seasons of this climax and it happens off screen. Oh, but like in sort of a real life sort of situation. Um, kind of weird that about a week and a half ago on Trending Topics there was the whole Kaylee Cuoco sweeting mm-hmm. says that her husband is totally fine with her having an on-screen romance with ex-boyfriend Johnny Galecki. Mm-hmm. And then like half a week and a half later it's Kaylee Cuoco splits from husband. It's just like, right, yeah. He wasn't that fine with no, it, I'm guessing. No. So, yeah. That's kind of sad. And I I just don't know where this show's going anymore. No, no, indeed. References just, they're just they feel more crowbarred. They're not treating their audience with the intelligence that they have. Mm. Which is a shame. Yeah, very much so. But all good things must end, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. If it didn't, it wouldn't make new way for new stuff. Yeah. But we've got the Muppets to look forward to. Yeah. So that show looks like it'll be great. Awesome. Cool. I think that, that about brings us to the end of that one for now. I'm sure we've missed a ton of shows. And there's a, there's a ton that haven't started yet. I mean, The Flash hasn't come back. No, Arrow hasn't Arrow, come back. Yeah. Walking Dead's still a way off yet. Um, oh, that's the other we have, what, Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. I still haven't watched past episode one. I, I've seen up to episode five. And... I have a student who's pushing me to watch it. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm still not wholly convinced on it at all. I, I, I dislike the majority of the main characters. <laughs> and that's a problem. Yeah, when you're rooting for their survival, that's kind of an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, when, if, when I get some spare time and I'm not planning lectures, then I will probably get around to that show. But for the time being, it'll take a backburn to get the stuff I want to watch. Yeah. Um, which would include Supernatural, The Blacklist, The Arrow, mm, yeah, The Flash, all, those when they come all these back. when they come back. And then, of course, Ash versus The Evil Dead. Yeah. And, Roll on Halloween. And Je- a.k.a. Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah, a.k.a. Jessica Jones. And it looked like The Man in the High Castle actually got a season pickup. Oh. So I saw that on the premieres list for, cool. for Amazon. I mean, I saw their pilot during their pilot season last year mm. and thought it was really good. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like maybe that's been picked up. Okay, sweet. Which would be interesting. Cool. That's it for TV. 
Cool. Okay, so let, let's let's uh, journey to Mars. Journey to Mars. <laughs> okay, so first time listeners to the show or new listeners, back when we started, there was a reality TV show concept, uh, which we've politely dubbed "Idiots on Mars." It's basically a Dutch. It is Dutch, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, Mars one. It's Mars a Dutch one thing. Is a, a Dutch thing to send people to Mars, basically just sending people to die on another planet. Yeah. But <laughs> um, how do we think their chances are going to improve with the recent announcement? Well, evidence of running water on Mars. I mean, that's huge. It is. It's massive. But it, I, I, I don't think there's in any way the amount of water that can sustain human life there. No. At the moment. Well, they yeah. said they, they found essentially briny sludge. That yeah. the only reason it's not frozen is because it's that full of salt. Yeah. But they did say in the Q and A that the there was a Q and A Q&A panel after the announcement, and they did say during that that the amount of water they had found was substantial. I mean, it would fill a number of Olympic-sized swimming pools. All right, okay. It was just because it was dispersed over such a wide area; it was it was barely more than just wet sand. Mm. But it's there, um, so that's giving them more things to think about and more things to work with. However, in, interestingly, that's now prohibited where things are allowed to land because in order to prevent the risk of contaminating the water they're now not allowed to land craft that are being sent there to look for water to land anywhere near the water and whilst at the same time also finding these peak points for investigation so yeah there's there's some some awkwardness there. <laughs> there's some logistical quirk yeah. shall we say one of the i mean you can bless you can you can you know, bless the press for being so predictable. But one of the obvious questions during the Q&As was, do you think there's life on Mars following this discovery? And they were quite open about it. They said, well, there probably is, because we probably put it there. Mm-hmm. Because since the days of Viking, our sort of cleaning and decontamination of, cla- of crafts hasn't been like 100%. No, no, you know? uh, that's so, what they said, is, is that even now we, we cannot sterilise the ships well enough to not contaminate things when we land on the planet. And like they got, a, they got a laugh from the press when they were saying the problem we're going to have is trying to discern what bacteria we find up there and trying to discern it from whether it's stuff that we've put there or stuff that's native to there. Hmm. It's like, and the press laughed. They're like, no, this is, this is a serious yeah, issue. This is just that you don't get how true, serious yeah. this, is. this is. This is what's happening. Um, but I, I've been saying, I said to couple of friends I, th- I think I've always believed that we'll see a, a moon landing level event in my generation mm-hmm. and like after that I'm even more convinced that I will live to see someone step foot on Mars mm-hmm. I just think I will yeah I mean like with Elon Musk doing what he's doing as soon as he as soon as he gets his sort of VTOL rockets spot on as soon as he gets the landing sorted the landing's what he's got to nail that landing yeah but as soon as he does I mean he's got the money and the ambition and the drive to to make it happen Mm. and if we're starting to find usable resources already in situ on the planet it makes the idea of returning from these explorations more likely slightly viable yeah yeah (laughs) I mean like there's still a whole lot of maths and stuff that people vastly more intelligent than me have to work out <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but yeah and then maybe one day we'll see uh, an Ares mission to Mars 
Like in the Martian. Like in the Martian. Did I you like see, the segue. Did you see how I saw what you that did was? there? <laughs> so yeah, I went. To I was the, trying to think how to get there, and I was just like, so people on Mars, eh? How how do you think that would go? Uh, Maybe think, like the film. I think we rather ruined that segue. But <laughs> so I am trying to think of the last time I left a screening of a Ridley Scott film and felt completely satisfied with what I'd seen. Blade Which, Runner. Well, when I saw that this year, yeah, but like, <laughs> obviously, like as they're saying, yeah. I mean, it hasn't been since, yeah, the film that shall not be named. Yes. And it's horrible because for the best part of this movie, I was loving it. It was the ending that just ruined it for me. I think because the book was so good, I read it cover to cover in a day. Right. I couldn't put it down. It was funny and it was tense. And for the most part, the film is a fairly authentic adaptation of the book. But there are two big extended set pieces in the book which are omitted from the film entirely. And these would have caused like real tension. That's the thing the film's missing in general is is tension. Mm. It doesn't feel like he's struggling to survive. Whereas if you read the book, he's clearly fighting Mars every single day. And then they changed the way the film ended in a way that kind of ruined one of the characters for me, having gotten to know them through the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to give anything away to anyone who hasn't watched it yet. Um, But if you've read the book, a different person makes the save at the end. And there's a certain Iron Man reference in the book that gets played out in the film that doesn't in the book. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And it was just... That just jarred me from the movie. Up until that point, I'd been enjoying it and I'd forgiven a lot of the omissions and I liked the way they'd moved things around. Mm -hmm. I liked that for the most part they'd kept some of the humour, but it felt like they had to tinker with it. They, They created this false tension in a scene that isn't in the book they put in for the tension for the finale when they would actually been better off going with the tense pieces that was already there from in the, book. the book yeah 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 uh, so it felt like meddling for meddling's sake and there's going to be possibly some arguments about this um essentially it's a female character that makes the save at the end the commander of the of the mission is uh, Commander Lewis, and she is a strong character in the books. She's the one who leaves him behind on Mars when she thinks that he's dead. Um, and in the books, she is very much she's military. She is by the numbers. And when someone in the books proposes that he will do what she does in the film, she shoots him down. She doesn't leave the bridge during the rescue. But in the film, she's, like, trying to make amends and put things right. And that actually weakens her character, Mm. in my eyes. Yeah. To be fair, none of the background characters really get much chance to shine. I mean, none of the relationship between uh, Beck and Johansson is played up as obviously as it is in the book. But the characters, the actors are good enough to do enough with their small screen time to make them... Memorable to a degree. Right. And the casting is great throughout, including Sean Bean, 
and uh, this is the Lord of the Rings reference that gets put in there. There is a secret mission to rescue them, and it's codenamed Elrond. <laughs> and he has to explain to someone... He, well, he has to explain to Kirsten Wiggs' character why it's called Elrond. She's like, well, why Elrond? She's like, well, Lord of the Rings. Secret meeting. And obviously, he yeah. is at the secret meeting. Um, anyone who had that, that explained to them, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Probably think, listening to the wrong yeah, show. I think you may have spent the last hour and a half listening to a show that might not be for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... It's watchable, for sure. And it's not a bad sci-fi film. I just felt disappointed that it was almost entirely faithful. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute, it decided to do something... Just fell at the last TV. hurdle. Yeah. yeah. And it felt Hollywood at the last minute, which disappointed me. Because I've been looking forward to this film for a long time. Um, but... I'd probably still go and watch it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not its not a thing that would ruin the movie for me entirely. It's not going to be like, well, like the other Ridley Scott film that shall not be named. <laughs> you know, it's, it's three not, successes. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> the fact that he's changed the sequel, the same, changed the title for the sequel. Ah, oh, fucking Alien Paradise Lost. What the fuck is he thinking? Leave, uh, leave it alone, Brendan. Leave it alone. <laughs> Get past it. It's fine. You're in a safe place. Quick, bolt the tables down. <laughs> yeah. Worth a watch for sci-fi fans, for sure, because the sci-fi is very good. Cool. Um, but purists may be a bit disappointed. Fair enough. Well, I, I will still go and see it. Yeah. Cool. Right. That's about it. I think I so. Think. Cool. Thank you all for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other.